0: So if you got your Bibles, guys, let's go back to Acts, the second chapter, verse number 42 through 47. Then we go, I've got to pick back up on Psalms 133. I told you about the oil, right? David, in his zeal and his effort to describe how powerful of a concept unity is, chose to say in Psalms 133 how good it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And he said, it's just like. That anointed that oil that rose down that rolled down on on, on, on the, the high priest's head, okay, uh, from Aaron's beard. And I told you on last week that 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 particular mixture of spices and oil was only utilized for that one purpose. And most people only got to see a high priest uh, installed in the office once in their lifetime, because it was a lifetime position. And so David said uh, the the specialness of that oil. They only got to. Have, you have to smell that once in a lifetime. And the uniqueness of that creates the valuableness of that. And so that's like, that's what unity is like. Unity is so important to God that Jesus said. Jesus said as he prayed in John the 17th chapter that through their unity, through their through their being one, the world will know that you sent me God. Now look at what we, uh, we left off. We, we, we're here, we'll pick back up here at, at uh, Acts the 2nd chapter verse number 42. Through 47. The text says this. Let's read together. Glory to God. Let me find it right quick. Hallelujah. Acts chapter number two. There we go. All right. All right. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. They devoted themselves to, back up again. All the believers did what? Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Keep reading. Text says in the next verse, A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. 44. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Text says in the next verse, They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those who are in need. Text says in verse number 46, Uh, They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, 47, last one, and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship. Everybody say, the Lord added. The Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved, all right? So we've asked ourselves this question as we Uh, put the finishing touches on God's plan for his church the question we asked on last week was are we the real deal are we the real deal and I'm asking that question because uh, there are many who profess to know Christ there are many who name the name of Christ there are many who are part uh, have joined and united with the local church assembly but when it comes to whether a person is really bought into God's plan for his church. When it comes to when another person really loves God like they sing about, like they teach about, like they testify about, the proof will always be in the pudding. In other words, if I, if I say that I'm a born-again believer, if I say that I'm a follower of Christ, if I say I'm a discipled one, then the proof of that should show up in my corresponding action, the proof of that should show up in my worship, which is my lifestyle, my 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 way of doing life. It should show up in what I do on an everyday basis. Now, again, uh, go back to Psalms 133, uh, and let's pick that back up uh, because David said that that valuable oil that was only used, most people only got a chance to see it used once in a lifetime. That valuable oil was representative of uh, how good it is when we dwell together in unity. Amen. So uh, we'll look at Psalms 133, starting at verse number one. Glory to God. Are y'all glad to be here today? <laughs> All right. The text says this. Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Now, again, as I told you, customarily we've heard this used over the years in church uh, whenever you have a fellowship program, I told you about that last week. Uh, but really, in, in actuality, this goes much deeper than having a church service together. This goes back to uh, what was personified in Acts the second chapter when they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the prayer and and fellowship and and breaking the bread together and and they were in each other's homes and they were uh, they were doing this together. They were doing life together. It says, "Behold, how good and pleasant it is." brethren, dwell together in unity. Next verse says what? Let's go. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garment. Now again, you got it. When I used to read that over the years, I didn't understand what in the heck they were talking about. Because I didn't grow up in Jewish culture. I didn't grow up under the concept of Judaism. I didn't know anything about the the, the order of the high priest. And so unless I do some some background work, and understand the context of the text, I won't understand what they're talking about here. First time I read this, it, I am like, what's what Aaron's beard got to do with anything? What, what is oil running down his beard? Isn't that nasty? <laughs> no, no, no. This is sim- he, he's telling us that, that unity is such a powerful thing, that it, it's such a valuable thing. It's just like that oil that, that ran down his head and, and down on his beard. But but he, he says they went down to the scourge of his garments. Next verse says what? Let's read together. As the dew of Hermon and as the, um, uh, and as the dew that descended upon the mountain of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Now he says unity is like, first of all, that special oil that was used once. Uh, most people only got to see it used once in a lifetime. But in case you still didn't quite understand it, now, people in, in, in this culture would, would grasp this real quickly, but again, we got to do some background work to bring ourselves up. That's what the one thing I caution you when you study your Bible is you got to do proper exegesis. You got to know the context. You got to know who's writing, who's he writing to. What was the culture at that time? Because if not, what most people do is they come to the Scripture from their modern context. They come to the scripture and they read it with eyeglasses from 2021 in America. I tell you before, many of us have an Americanized version of Christianity. And God said, I want you to have a kingdomized version of Christianity. We got to walk in kingdom principle. Kingdom principle trumps anything else. Are y'all tracking with me today? So he said unity is like that oil that flowed down. But then he goes and, and gives us another Illustration of the valuableness of unity. He says, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountain of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Well, in order to understand it, you got, you've got to also understand that the land of Israel has a very dry climate. And it only has one short rainy season. Then after that, all the plants and animals have to survive on the moisture that comes from one natural source, and that's Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon uh, sits at the northern end of Israel, and it's the highest mountain in the country. Its summit reaches high enough that when the wind blows eastward off the Mediterranean Sea, it catches that moisture from the sea, and then this moisture then flows down Mount Hermon and waters all the surrounding area, even as far as Jerusalem, which sits on Mount Zion. Now, if, all, if, if, if plant life and animal life are depending upon the moisture that flows from the dew from Mount Hermon, don't you think that's a valuable concept? So he uses those very unique things, those very valuable things to say, that's just like unity. Now, isn't it a wonder that the enemy seeks to divide us is it any wonder that the enemy seeks to divide us on any number of fronts? Because he knows, he, I think he has a, a great idea and a concept that if we can ever unify, the church is going to be like the church, the early church, where we will turn the world upside down. So he comes after unity, and he'll have you uh, cross ways with people, cross with your family members. David is saying here... You know the effect that Mount Hermon has on everything around it. That's the effect that authentic community, we talked about it last week, that's the effect that authentic community has not only on those experiencing it, but even on those within relational distance of that community. I tell you guys, when people begin to see us operate in authentic community, when they begin to see us out of the restaurant, laughing, laughing, talking about the things of God, having, having, having genuine, authentic fellowship, people will look over at you and look and say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute now, wait a minute. Uh, why are they laughing and talking together like that? Aren't they supposed to be enemies? Why, how, how can it be that we see that the society is divided, but that church over there is doing life together in authentic community? See, God wants to use you, yes, you. To understand the value of authentic community and begin to operate in it, if you've ever been around someone who's truly happy or truly content, that person's disposition tends to rub off on you. I don't like being around Debbie Downers. You know what Debbie Downer is? Somebody's always talking down, looking down, sounding down, being low down. I don't like being around down folks. And, and if you're not careful, you will be a person that only thing you do is, 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 is radiate negative energy because you, you're miserable because you don't understand the joy of the Lord, so you're going to make your miserableness flow onto other people. But when you're around somebody who understands, who has joy, when you're around people who got the joy of the Lord, when you're around people who are jo- guys, Christians can have fun. Yeah. Who told you? In order to be saved, you got to be some deep person that walk around and shears all the time. And I can't joke and I can't talk. You know, uh-uh, uh, the Lord said this. Yes, I want what the Lord said, but I need to be able to relate to you also. Isn't it amazing when you, when, when, isn't it amazing when you follow Jesus' life? I, I challenge you to go and follow. just read the gospel and see how people were attracted to Jesus. And that's why I want you to, and me to allow Jesus Christ to live out his life through us. Like Paul said in Galatians 2 and 20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So when people see Jesus Christ in us, it's going to radiate it's going to draw them to us. When you find, when you look at Jesus, uh, check this out, guys, the religious leaders. Criticized him because he hung out with sinners. They criticized him because he was hanging out with people who they thought were were less than they were. But that's who he did. He says, "Listen, you know, he's already healed and whole. Don't need a physician." So Jesus spent time with people and meshing with people, and building a relationship with people, and pouring into their lives. So that's what God wants us to do, to create that authentic community so that people can see that and, and see the joy on, on the inside of us. Now, guys, if you ain't delivered yet, you may have just keep your circle real small because you will mess a whole lot of folks up. <laughs> now, some of y'all, now, all of us got some work, some work to do, right? Everybody say, look, look at yourself. Don't look at anybody else now. At the same time, look at your neighbor, look at yourself and say, I got some work to do. I know I do, okay? I, all of us have some work to do. But now, I will tell you this. If you've been connected with this ministry for 15, 20 years and you're still acting like a baby, my patience with you is still there. But I'm, I'm going to, I, I got to deal with you a little bit differently because you've been here for 20 years and you're still acting like a baby. Still get upset because they didn't call your name. You know, pastor, pastor, said, pastor said this and he said something about that thing. He didn't know I was over in that, in that EBC treat tent slaving like a dog. And I didn't get chance to eat anything. And he didn't call my name on church anniversary. Now, were you doing it so I could call your name? Or were you doing it so you could serve the people who came to fellowship with us and, and for us to begin to build some relationships? So why do you do what you do? Okay? That's the question you got to ask. Because if you're doing things to be seen amid, it's gonna it's gonna become evident, and, and it's gonna show up in your feelings too. Because if I don't sing the song, if I'm not leading, I ain't happy. If I'm not teaching, I am not showing up. If my name is not on top of the program, then well, well, you know, next time they get somebody else. See, when we have those type, that type of mentality, guys, then now it becomes about us rather than about him. I do not care if my name is called one-eyed older. If Jesus is lifted up, he'll draw. And it's never been about door Adams. It's always been about Jesus. So guys, so if real community is, you know, I, I, I told you David described the preciousness of it. If it's so precious, then why are we all experiencing it? Why are we not Really, running after that well I think a lot of it some of it I think because of maybe we hadn't been taught about authentic community maybe you legitimately thought that coming to church and sitting in a Sunday school class was authentic community but we, we read in, 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 in Acts where they, they, they broke bread together they, 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 they communed each other's houses they, they, I'm sure they, had, they went to restaurants they, they, they spent time away from the assembly doing life together and that's how you really get to know somebody. Come on, can we be honest? How, how many of y'all will be honest with me that you you pretty much on your best behavior when you come to church? Let, uh, you gotta, you got to come with me today. How many of y'all out there act better in church than you do at home sometimes? I, I, no, 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 no. Y'all not getting away with that. No, you, look, look at me. How many of y'all act better when you're here than sometimes when you're there? Okay, do I need to call some witnesses who live with you? Do I need to call your husband or call your wife or call your children and ask them? We generally don't get up in the middle of, of service and start cussing at somebody. We generally don't. Some churches do do. So, 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 for the most part, we 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 we're on our best behavior here. We look, we're looking good. We're looking nice. We're at church, and 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 we're not we, we we smiling. Some of y'all left home frowning, but as soon as you got on the church park, like, hey, bless the Lord, highly favor. <laughs> How y'all doing? Good to see you, sister. How you doing? I'm blessing the Lord and highly favor, and you just got through. Mean mugging in your your spouse, all the way to church. So we know how to put the, we know how to put on the front, but I'm asking the question: Are you the real deal? Because we got to be the real deal to flow in authentic community. So, so can we unpack some more? Let's go to First Thessalonians chapter number two. Glory to God. My 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 my. Now, before, before, yeah, let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, and we'll begin our reading at verse number 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, and we'll begin our reading at verse number 1. Are y'all still with me today? Because I want to know, are we the real deal? Now, Paul here, as he writes this letter to the church at Thessalonica, Paul had, had experienced some persecution and Paul had experienced the fact that there were many who were questioning the legitimacy of his apostleship. And, and we're going to look at a passage here in, in Acts 17 just for a second to kind of give you a, a glimpse into what was going on here. But let's, let's read a few verses and I'm going to j- jump to Acts the seventeen chapter, okay? Let's, let's go. Are y'all there? Let's read. You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. Next verse. You know how badly we have been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Text says, yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of what? Great opposition. Go to Acts 17 chapter verse number one with me right quick. Acts chapter 17 verse number one. Glory to God. So, so Paul has experienced uh, persecution and people were doubting the legit, legitimacy of his apostleship. Look at what the text says. Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphipolis and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. Are y'all with me? Let's keep reading. It says what? As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service And for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures to do what? He used what? What did he use to reason with the people? What are you using to reason with people? What are you using to reason with people? Well, they said on Fox News, they said on CNN, they said on MSNBC, That's what a lot of Christians are doing, being discipled by 24-hour news networks. I'm telling you, get in your Bible and learn what the Word of God says and reason with people out of the Scripture. Are y'all with me today? Especially when you, I'm talking about when you deal with fellow Christians here. Because when you, you know, somebody's outside of church, they're not going to understand Scripture anyhow. So quit trying to preach the Bible other than the message of salvation to somebody who's not even saved. How are you going to reason with somebody out of the scripture who's not saved and the Bible says that you can't even understand the things of God except the spirit of God gives you discernment. So if they're not saved, they don't have the spirit of God to give them the revelation knowledge. So I can't can't reason with them other than the fact that I'm trying to get them saved. The message of salvation. Y'all with me? But with fellow Christians, because here's the problem, guys. The unity problem that that, that that's, that's going on now is, is the church is divided. The church is messed up, and we're not appreciating the valuableness of unity as David expressed it in the form of the oil that flowed down Aaron's head to his beard, in the form of the dew that flowed from Mount Hermon that that provided uh, nourishment and water for all animal and plant life. The valuableness of that. We're we're missing that in the church. Keep reading. As was Paul's custom, he explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Let's keep reading. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. All right. But some of the Jews were what? Were jealous. So they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace. Here these Jewish followers went out and gathered some what? Troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. Ain't that something? They were jealous of the impact that the apostle Paul was having so much so they went and got some goons. Some thugs, if you will. Some low-down folk to come in and just riled everybody up. Text says they attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas, so they could drag them out to the crowd. Look at the next verse. Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted. And now, I I like the words of uh, Paul... Paul and Silas remind me of John Lewis. John Lewis said, Get into some good trouble. Huh? We need to get into some good trouble. Some good trouble. In other words, standing for righteousness, standing for what's, what, what God says is my will. If you get in trouble for standing for righteousness, so be it. Too many believers now are afraid of a little persecution. But my Bible tells me all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer some persecution. If you haven't experienced any persecution in your life, maybe you're not really being as real as you claim to be. Hello, I know somebody talked about me since we started this series. But that's okay. Because I told you before, I am willing to have a theological conversation with you. If you can show me in the word, what you're saying, I'm willing to go with it. But don't just tell me what you feel. I fear feelings. Nothing more than feelings. How I many of y'all remember that song? See, some of y'all, it's nothing more than feelings in how you do your Christian walk. But I want you to be doctrinally sound. I want you to walk according to God's revealed word. Y'all still with me? Now watch, not find them there. They dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted, and now they are here disturbing our city too. Now again, normally the the, the authorities, you know, the Romans didn't really get into matters of religion uh, of what was happening in the synagogue in the church. They, they, they really tried to stay, stay clear of that. But so what, the, what these religious leaders would do is they would try to make it seem like the Christians were doing things to try to overthrow the government, okay? Watch this, not find them there. They dragged out Jason and some of the other believers stand and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world. They shouted, and now they are here disturbing our city too. Next verse says, "And Jason has welcomed them into his home. They are all guilty of treason. Here we go. Here we go. They're all guilty of treason against Caesar for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. You're exactly right. I'm professing allegiance to a king named Jesus and not any other person. Let me say something here that may if you take this as a sound bite, it may sound controversial. But I'm going to tell you, we as born-again believers should be operating under kingdom principle first. Are y'all with me? Before we are American principle. Our kingdom principle, our kingdom theology trumps our patriotism. We ought to be patriotic, but if, 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 if America says it's okay for a man to marry a man. And America has said that. So, what do we who are operating under the kingdom say? In the kingdom, that's not God's will. In the kingdom, that's unnatural affection. I love everybody, and, 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 and you, you, whatever attraction you have, I still love you. But guess what? Under the kingdom, I can't go with you. Don't turn the, the live stream off, okay? And don't you, listen, I'm here to tell you, we got to learn to stand on truth. I'm going to operate under kingdom principle. All right, can we keep moving? So they all give to treason against Caesar. For they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. They tried to extrapolate this to make this a political thing, but it never was a political thing. It's about the kingdom. Because God comes to establish his spiritual kingdom before he ever established a physical kingdom. The way God operates, it starts in the spirit realm first and works its way into the earth realm. Now, the people of the city as well as the city council were thrown into a turmoil by these reports. Now, remember what they did. We have church people going out and getting thugs and just people who just lie and brought them in. To testify against Paul and Silas because they were having kingdom impact and they did it because they were jealous. These particular guys did not necessarily agree, disagree with them theologically. They were just jealous that they were having greater impact and people were following them rather than following them. I've told y'all before, and you hear me carefully, and I mean it with every bone in my body. If somebody gets saved and they go to another church, more, and that's where God led them, more power to them. I'm not going to get mad at the other church because they're growing faster than we are. What kind of sense does that make? We all should be on the same team. But you see it happening so many times. Churches are becoming jealous of other churches, and so when they become jealous, they start to talk about it. Y'all liking me today? Can I be your pastor today? Can I I, I preach from a pastoral pastoral perch today? Because I believe that it's critically important for us to be the real deal. So when when people open up and begin to look at EBC, they see people who are real. And this, this message of unity that we're preaching ain't some fake news. This is who we are. This is not something that we're doing. We are being his church. Yeah, I like that. Disciple believers who consistently walk in the word of God they have kingdom impact in a homeschool job in the community of the Lord, reflecting our faith, leading others into a personal relationship with the Savior Jesus Christ. So we are. So, so, so the officials forced Jason and other believers to, to, to post bond, and then they released him. Watch this. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the, there they go again. They go into the Jewish synagogue. See, you know, uh, customarily, if, if there were at least 10 men, 10 Jewish men, they could start a synagogue in, in wherever, wherever uh, they were located. So whenever Paul got, Paul's got to town, what do they do? They immediately went where? To the Jewish synagogue. Next verse. Let's read. Come on, let's go. It says, and the people of Berea, watch this, were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day by day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. I challenge you to search the scriptures. When we go through the word of God, go home and check me out. That's what they were doing. They were more, oh, the, the, I think the, KJ, KJ, the KJV said they were more noble than the other ones because they searched the scripture, they listened, and they searched the scripture day by day to see if, if what Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. Next verse. Let's go. Come on, guys. As a result, many Jews believe, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. This is one of the first times we see where 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 the gospel message actually is reaching the upper crust in society, so to speak. These were very prominent people who were being saved here in Thessalonica. Are y'all with me today? So it's, 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 it's moving. It's moving at a rapid pace into this Gentile region. And, and now this word is being preached to some and being received by some prominent folks in that society. But again, you're prominent. I want to say that from a standpoint of identifying from a cultural standpoint. I've told y'all before and I'll say it again in the church. It doesn't matter how much money you have out there. It, it doesn't matter what position you have. We're all on equal footing in the body of Christ. Your title out there doesn't make you big in here. We all are are working, and the the quality I'm looking for is somebody who's willing to serve. I said, somebody who's willing to serve, not just talk about it, but everybody say, be about it. All right? But when some Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul, now, let let, me watch this. They, They left Thessalonica, and they're over in Berea preaching. But that wasn't good enough for these Thessalonians. Watch this. But when some Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there and did what? Now, y'all got to remember, what was Paul doing? Paul was taking the message of a multi-ethnic church across the globe at that time. And again, some of these Jewish Christians didn't like that. And so what did they do? They heard his preaching there, and they went there and did what? Stirred up trouble doubting his apostleship so let's get back get back if you will look at your outline um first and foremost we talk about the characteristics. i'm I asking the question on you the real deal let's talk about the characteristics of, of the true church uh and we'll look at again we just read verses one through four and so so to so a true church a person who's the real deal will base their life off of biblical principle biblical authority the basis of paul's message was god-given Biblical authority is a two-way street. Number one, its pulpit ministry must be based on biblical authority. And number two, its members' lives must be bound by biblical authority. Come on, let's look at it again. If we're going to be the real deal, if we're going to be the true church, then the pulpit ministry must be based on biblical authority. I I, I shouldn't be up here preaching philosophy. Now again, as we go through and talk about different subjects and titles, I will reference different material that type of thing. But the ultimate, the ultimate truth teller is the Word of God. I don't apologize for being a Bible believing in a Bible teaching church. Okay, so all right, so its pulpit ministry must be based on biblical authority. You you would say, but Pastor, doesn't that go without saying? Well, it should. But but you, if you listen to a lot of messages, a lot of messages are not biblically based. It's politically based. It's culturally based. And I'm going to stay with the word of God. Amen? Everybody say, Doyle Adams. Adams. Say say my name like you love me. Say, Doyle Adams Adams. is going to stay with the Bible. Thank y'all so much for recognizing (laughs) that. All right. So let's keep moving. Biblical thought. Now, this is really important because... I told you on last week. I, I, I will talk to you about two kinds of faith that exist. I believe because biblical authority has to be born out of, a, of, of, of us being a people of faith and, and and taking that faith and and let it be a part of our life on a, on a daily basis. Uh, two kinds. Of, this is not on your notes. So just write these write these down. There's two kinds of faith that I see uh, in general. Okay. Don't shoot me. You say, well, I know five. Well, okay, five. Okay, I'm talking about two in general right quick. First of all, there's, there's the Thomas kind of faith, that the kind of faith that Thomas had. Go to John, the 20th chapter, and look at verse number 20 through, 24 through 29. The gospel according to St. John, and we're going to look at the 20th chapter, and then we're going to look at verses 24 through 29. John, the 20th chapter, and look at verses 24 through 29. Text says this one of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, Watch this. This is this is, this is how a lot of believe a lot of professed Christians are. I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers in fingers in him, not fingers, fingers in. Him. <laughs> Did I sound like I was from the country just then? Put the fingers What is a finger? Is that an A in that? No, <laughs> help me, Brother Terry. Come on. I won't believe it unless I see the nails in his hands. Put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Now again, guys, this is after the resurrection. Other disciples had saw Jesus, uh, and look at what it said. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. All right, and this time Thomas was with them when Jesus appeared. The doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. He was just there. Peace be with you, he said. Now, watch this. Because, you know, even though Jesus was not there at that time, physically, he knows what, everything that goes on in our life. Y'all know that, right? I mean, th- th- that bad thought you had, he, kn- he knew about it. So you might as well confess it. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't said nothing, Pastor. I ain't actually what you said. What, you, what did you think? God knows your thoughts. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Why did he tell him that? Because he heard him when he said, unless I put my finger in his wound, I ain't going to believe. And that's the way some people are in the body of Christ. Unless they can see it in black and white, they ain't believing nothing. Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand in the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Look at the next verse, two verses. It says what? My Lord and my God, Thomas explained. 29, then Jesus told, told him, you believe, watch this, because you have seen. Bless, everybody say bless. bless. Bless are those who believe without seeing me. So some in our in our midst have that Thomas kind of faith. They ain't gonna believe nothing until they can see it already manifested. Are y'all with me today? But then there's the other kind of faith, the Abraham-type faith. Everybody say Abraham faith. Thomas faith and then Abraham faith. Go to Romans, the fourth chapter, verse 17 through 21. Romans chapter 4, verses 17 through 21. Glory to God. Romans chapter 4, verse 17 through 21. All right. Let's, let's, Let's look at it, okay? This is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, watch this, Abraham kept hoping. Believing that he would become the father of many nations, many ethnicities, many nationalities. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Next verse, come on, 19 through 21, let's read and Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. How many of y'all would figure your body's just as good as dead as it relates to the reproduction process? If you're 99, come on now. Can we talk? Can we be honest? If, 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 if you're 99, well, come on. And Abraham's faith did not weaken even though at about 100 years of age he figured his body was as good as dead and so was what? Sarah's womb. Sarah at this age had stopped having the way of a woman. She stopped having a monthly menstrual cycle so, so the, you know, the egg passing and all that stuff was... Okay, come on. We, we, we got biology. All right? Then that, that, that it passed. But look what the text says. Watch this. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact... His faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. Verse 21, he was, he was, he was, he was, he was, he was, he was what? He was what? Fully convinced, be said he was fully persuaded that God is able to do whatever he promises. Now watch this guy. So. So Thomas' faith, it's it's a natural human faith. Everyone, whether you're saved or unsaved, got this natural human kind of faith. Thomas' faith, guys, was based solely on physical evidence. He believed only what he could see, not what God said. But now Abraham's faith is a spiritual faith, a heart faith, which is based on what God said. If Abraham had gone by what he could see and what his physical senses told him, he would have never received God's promise. Abraham believed according to what God said, not according to how he felt. Yeah. And that's where we got to get from, guys. Many of y'all sit here now, and as we talk about uh, authentic community, as we talk about uh, uh, outreach, as we talk about mission, effort, as we talk about witnesses, many of you sit there, and you, you, you're going to hear me, and you're going to mentally upset, and you're going to nod your head, but you're going to leave out of that door. And because you don't feel it, you're not going to do anything. I shared with you guys something that, that I heard a guy say, and I'll repeat it again. This is not something I made, made up. I just heard about I thought I shared it with y'all a couple of weeks ago. It may have went over some of y'all here. He said, it's easier to act my way into a feeling than to feel my way into an action. Let that, that went over somebody's head. Let me say it again. It's easier to act my way into a feeling than to feel my way into an action. Let me give you an illustration. Um, there were times when I was playing football, losing we tech. Back then, we had two-a-days plus a weight training period on some days. So you had to practice in the morning, come on, uh, around 7 o'clock or so, and then you come back in the afternoon around 4 or 5 o'clock in the evening. Uh, there, were, you know, there were some days, guys, where I didn't feel like practicing. Y'all with me? And, and, and I didn't feel like it. Uh, uh, practicing until I got in and got going and got the juices flowing and then all of a sudden then now the the, 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 the stamina and the strength comes and, and the reason why I'm here and I'm and, 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 and trying to play and trying to be successful that began to energize me but I, I had to get going first before the feeling caught up with what I was there for. Does that make sense? So what I'm telling you is when once you know what the word of God says Quit trying to feel your way into the action and act your way into the feeling. Are y'all still listening to me? Because many of y'all sit there and say, well, you know, I I, I just ain't into that. Obedience. Well, you must not be into God because God gives us his word. And if we're going to if we're really going to be people of faith, we got to learn how to move at God's command, not based on how we feel. There have been times Maria and I have had to uh, act our way into feeling. There's some times when, uh, how many, can, can we be honest? Will y'all be honest with me in the church? How many of y'all as husband and wife, I want y'all to be dead level honest and, and, don't, and, and, and just be, be honest. How many of y'all as husband and wife have had times when you were, you, you were upset with your spouse? Come on. Raise your hand. Quit. I'm raising my hand. Now watch this, guys. All y'all can relate to this. I've been upset with my spouse, but I still love my spouse. But I've been so mad with my spouse that I didn't want to see my spouse coming. and She's been so mad with me, she didn't want to see me coming. (laughs) But what we did, because we knew love is the covenant glue that holds us together, that binds us together, we would have to begin to do things to begin that reconciliation process and not just wait till our feelings get there, Sherry. We have to act on what we knew was truth until our feelings caught up and then we start acting right again. Yeah. We start mean-mugging each other. Any of y'all know mean mugged us um, <laughs> about? I like to be real. Because some of y'all will come up here and pretend like you never had an argument, you never had a disagreement. Oh, brother pastor, you know, we have, I have the best marriage too, but we've been through some stuff. And I live to tell the story. (laughs) And that's good because, see, God wants to use your story to bless somebody else, but you won't tell it. Because what are people going to think? They're going to think just like what I think. I know you're not perfect. So, okay. Yes, the pastor is not perfect. Y'all didn't know that. But I thank God we're moving. All right. So, so. So real faith in God, heart faith believes the word of God regardless of what the physical evidence may be. It's believing with the inward man that causes faith to be manifested in the outward man. Unless it's in here, it won't show up out there. Okay. But corresponding to two kinds of unbelief, write these down. Okay. The first kind of unbelief uh, is the kind of unbelief that's based on a lack of knowledge. There is unbelief that flows in the church based on a lack of knowledge. Okay. That's the first kind. Romans 10 and 17 says, so, faith, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Those who have not heard cannot have knowledge, therefore, they can't believe. Many don't believe in spiritual things because they don't know the word of God, what the word of God teaches on that subject. Now, a while ago, when I just wanted to, I, I felt like, you know, when I think about Jesus and what he's done for me, I like to dance. My wife tell me I can't dance, but see, if it's a holy dance, it ain't, it ain't to her in the first place. Now, if you sat there and you grew up Baptist, that may have bothered you. I say grew up Baptist. I tell you before, we teach Bible doctrine, okay? But if you grew up Baptist, where, where they say, you know, I, I remember we couldn't even clap in church. Anybody who grew up in the day, when you, it was okay to say amen, but you could not clap because clapping was Almost like giving man praise. But one day, guys, I turn to Psalms 47 and 1. And do you know what Psalms 47 and 1 says? Oh, clap your hands, all you people. It says what? Shout with the voice of triumph. Now, that's understood you there. So now you, you come from a, a faith that says we, we, we're quiet before the Lord. Well, What, what are you going to do with Psalms 47 and 1? I want to know what are you going to do with Psalms 47 You believe the whole Bible? That's what you told me. Psalms 47 and 1, Robert says, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout with the voice of God. Well, that's too charismatic. Well, I want to be charismatic. Char- charisma means that the Holy Spirit is moving and we're going to go with him. Psalms 150. Praise him in the timbrel and the dance. So what are you going to do with that? Well, you know, we just don't believe in it. It's in the Bible. So, so, so maybe you don't want to move, but just because you don't want to praise him as sure as he said, don't hear him to me. I'm not trying to make you do anything. I'm just telling you that the word of God gives me freedom to clap in church. The word of God gives me freedom to dance in church. As long as I'm clapping and dancing unto him and not unto you. Every song that is sung in this church is really and truly it's not to you, it's to him. Do you understand that? Because if we're here to praise him, then it ceases to become how, how fluent you think I am in my dancing. Because while I'm praising, I may just... Oh, oh. Oh, I can't, I can't get it like Sherry. Sherry can get it. But it ain't about me getting it like Sherry. It's about me dancing unto the Lord. Are y'all with me? So let's be biblical. All right. So you, <coughs> some of y'all say, but Pastor, I, I just, I, I can't get that. I can't, I can't feel that. Well, what did I tell you? Go to the word of God. See what the word of God says. Do word and let your feelings catch up. And and, and at at the very minimum, don't stop somebody else from being obedient to what the real word of God says while you're trying to get get there. All right? And when I say try to get there, what I'm saying is once we know what the word of God says, then we're responsible for doing that word. And our non doing of that word is actually disobedience. Because I hate people saying, well, I got to grow in that. Grow into obedience? How many of y'all told your mama, Mama, I got to grow into obedience and washing those dishes. <laughs> no, you didn't grow into obedience. You, <laughs> you did what mom and dad told you to do. Now, some of these parents nowadays, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, kids, just they got 15,000 chances. You had one. <laughs> one word of warning. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, so, so first kind of unbelief is unbelief that's based on lack of knowledge. And I'm going to finish on time today, y'all. Because I'm going to stop when my time is up. I'm telling y'all right now, I got four minutes left. So first, first a kind of unbelief that's based on a lack of knowledge. The cure for this kind of unbelief is getting knowledge of God's word. So if I don't know, I just don't know, okay? I can't blame if you don't know. But once you do know, why we went through this study. Once you do know, now you are held accountable for what you know. It would be better for you not to have went through the study on multi-ethnic church than to go through it and reject it. Because now you know. It would be better for you not to know what the word of God says about marriage than, than to get into marriage and do marriage the way you want to do it. It would be better for you not to even have had a teaching on giving than to come to church and be taught on giving and then reject that. Because now you're in rebellion. Because now you know. Okay? Are y'all with it? So the first kind of unbelief is that based on a lack of knowledge of God's word. There are some people who aren't taught certain things uh, in the word of God. I believe in having a well-rounded diet from the scripture. I can't just get up and talk on healing every day. I can't get up and talk on on giving every day. I can't just talk on marriage every day. We got to have a well-rounded diet. You need some vegetables. Along with your peach cobbler. Can I get it? With, along with your stuffed shrimp. My wife brought me some yesterday. And I ate all of them, and they were good. Second, there is the kind of unbelief that comes from listen to this, a rejection of the knowledge that's presented. So two kinds of unbelief. One, you just don't know. You had not been taught it, so, so you don't have faith because faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. If I hadn't heard it, I can't have faith for it. But once I can hear it, God's revealed word, I can, faith will come as I take that word and meditate on it and make a conscious decision to walk in it. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. You don't get faith just by praying for it. It comes from having knowledge of God's word. That's why I want to teach you, okay? So the the second kind of unbelief comes from a rejection of the knowledge of God's word. Look at, if you can pop it up real quick. Well, I'll read it to you from the NLT. Hebrews 4 and 6 says this in reference to entering into God's rest. It says, so God's rest is there for people to enter, but those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. This is in reference to the children of Israel. As it relates to the land of promise, God had told them, I've given you a land over in Canaan. It's yours. I've already given it to you. Go in and possess it. They sent 12 spies, 10 came back, said, It's just like God said. It's flowing, making honey, but there's giants in the land and we cannot take it. Woe is us. We cannot take it. But God had already said, It's your land. I've already given it to you. Go in and possess it. That's what the word of God says. But they rejected God's word. So the second type of unbelief comes from rejecting the knowledge of God's word. So there are some people in this church who heard the word, but because of their experience, they rejected the word. Because of what they've been through, they rejected God's plan for his church. So what kind of unbelief are you operating in? Is it because you just didn't know or is it because you knew and you said, nah, they ain't for me, pastor. Well, if you belong to God, whatever's in his word is for you. Y'all the KJV says they entered not in because of unbelief. Another translation says they entered not in because of unpersuadableness. They were, not, they were not able to be persuaded to do the word of God. And again, it's referring to the children of Israel. They could not plead innocence due to ignorance. Because God had told them to go in and possess the land of Canaan. The children of Israel knew what God said, but they couldn't be persuaded to act upon it. And please don't find yourself in that position. They, like many Christians today, were unwilling to allow the word of God to govern them. So look, look back at our, at our two points here. We, I, I got one today, okay? Biblical authority. The basis of Paul's message was God given Biblical authority is a two way street. Its pulpit ministry must be based on biblical authority, and its members' lives must be bound by biblical authority. Now, as I get ready to go to my seat, I need you to listen to me carefully. Many of y'all have been been a part of this ministry for a period of time, and you, you start on the peripheral. You come, you may even give and support, but you're on the peripheral. We ask the question, are we the real deal? See, when you're the real deal, you can't remain on the peripheral. You got to be drawn to God and his word and begin to bind your life by it. Are y'all with me? God says, I want to use every last one of y'all in here. And everybody in here has giftings that the Lord wants to use to get Kingdom principles beyond the four walls of this church and out into our community. God wants to use you to help bridge the gap by building authentic community and taking that display of authentic community out to a world that sorely needs it. But if you're not the real deal, if you're kind of just faking, you kind of come and you, you come on Sunday, but you, you know, you'll. Your, your level of of involvement doesn't go beyond Sunday morning, then you're not really growing. I'm gonna say you're not the real deal yet. I ain't saying you weren't saved, but I'm saying you're not the real deal. Because Paul, we're gonna see as we walk down through this this second chapter, First Thessalonians, next week. Paul was the real deal. Dude suffered a lot. Dude went through a lot because his savior was so important to him that it didn't matter that people left him. It didn't matter that folks talked about him. It didn't matter that friends scattered. Some even, some, some it's debatable about whether or not Paul was ever married or not. Some say he was married and his wife left him when he, when he started running after Christ and, and some say he never was married. I don't know, but, but I do know this. He was sold out for Jesus. He was the real deal. What about you? Every head bowed to my clothes. Father, we thank you.